2: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome to New Books in Sports, a channel on the New Books Network. My name is Keith Rathbone coming to you live, as I usually say, from Macquarie University, but actually I'm doing the interview early today, so I'm, I'm interviewing from my house. I do apologize if at any point in the interview my seven-week-old or my four-year-old Uh, jump in and try and ask any questions. (laughs) I'm here today with Jamie Fahey. He is a Guardian journalist and production editor with more than 20 years of experience on several national newspapers and six years in regional journalism. And he's the author of a a really uh, cracking book called Futsal, the indoor game that's revolutionizing world soccer. Uh, It's out with Melville House in 2021 thank you so much Jamie for joining us thanks very much for having me it's a pleasure it, it's really um, it's really a pleasure for me as well to have you on I was mentioning to you before we started I read a lot about about soccer but I have to admit I had never read a book about futsal and so I just kind of devoured it to be honest um, and I think a lot of people who are interested in in soccer would find your book a kind of um, both an introduction to something they thought they knew about and didn't know as much as they thought, but also just a really fun read. So I wonder, Jamie, if you can tell us a little bit about uh, how you developed the book. Why did, you, why did you want to write a book about futsal?
0: Well, yeah, um, first and foremost, I was approached by a publisher uh, about three or four years ago because I'd written uh, I'd written about futsal on, um, on The Guardian uh, several times over the past 10 years. Um, so that's where the actual writing the book idea came from. Um, but my interest in futsal um, stems from, from my childhood uh, growing up in Liverpool, and in the northwest of England. And if anyone knows anything about Liverpool, it's famous for, yes, the Beatles, but also football. And it's, uh, it's probably the most prominent footballing city in, in England, uh, certainly the most successful in terms of Everton and Liverpool winning more. Premier League and First Division titles than the teams from any other city, uh, and it's a it's it's a city that was consumed by football from from the year I was born, 1971, throughout my formative years, uh, and I uh, and so I was always playing, always knew about football, and as I grew up a little bit older, maybe in the 90s, I started to hear about futsal and heard about it as this famously, famously Brazilian. Uh, Laboratory of improvisation, as it's known there, um, because it's uh, it's responsible for fueling the skill sets of the the finest Brazilian uh, ball players in eleven aside that that we've ever seen. So so I knew about it, and then when I started coaching my kids, uh, who are now nineteen and twenty, so. I have to say that they're more likely, perhaps, to come in and 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 uh, disturb us than your than your uh, seven uh, seven week old I can tell you, um, but um, but I started coaching them around fifteen years ago. Then, as I say, nineteen and twenty now, and uh, and I wanted to somehow create this 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 feel of street football that I grew up playing. And the more I learned about football, the more I realised that. It, in effect, is uh, we'll get into what the game is in in, in, uh, in precise terms in a few minutes, I'm sure. But it, it, in effect, it can be the replacement of the lost art of street football, in my opinion. That um, that certainly in Liverpool was famous for, and and uh, all around the UK certainly, it's uh, it's no longer happening due to um, urbanisation and. Um, socio-cultural changes um, that I'm sure listeners are well aware of um, so so I was aware of the sport, I got coaching it, I started playing it as a 40 year old and again it, it reminded me uh, of the the, the the incessant street football that I played as, as a boy in in North Liverpool and it was uncanny the sort of skills I used to learn there um, manipulating a the ball in, in small spaces etc. They, they were absolutely essential in, in futsal. And um, and so I uh, I ended up agreeing to write the book. And and in effect, I mean, you said that you found it interesting. I'm pleased to hear that. Uh, but in, in effect, if you're being critical, if I'm being critical, and of course my day job is a, an editor and a production editor, so I'm there to sort of assess other people's language, I would say that my book is perhaps three books in one. And that could be a virtue. I think it is. Um, but what I mean is that it's... Essentially, the, the, the first and possibly the main aspect of it is to uncover the hidden history of a sport that, as you say, lots of people know about, lots of football fans may be aware of, but precious fruit, precious fruit truly understand the nuances of it and it has a fascinating history it's it, it was it was born in Uruguay in 1930 it was it's a sport that uh, that was born out of adversity in Uruguay and uh and, and a case of simple economic supply and demand because in just after the Wall Street crash um the the, the there was um uh, yet another wave of emigration to to Uruguay from um, from European um, European families with youngsters desperate to play football. And Uruguay happened to be um, a hotbed of, of world football because its men's national team had won the Olympics in 1924 and 28 Olympic gold, and the men's national football team also won the first ever World Cup held in Uruguay that very year, 1930. So on the back of that, the the game was formed after a, um, a creative process uh, Argentinian professor of PE, um, decided that he wanted to solve two problems. The first was that there was a real dearth of outdoor space to play football because lots of the land was privately owned in Uruguay around that time. And secondly, who knew that Uruguay was was prone to torrential downpours all year round? So he hit upon a, a neat solution, which was an indoor game and he decided to create an amalgam of um, four sports which is football soccer um, water polo ice hockey and um and basketball and 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 this was uh, this sorry handball and basketball and this and and that's that's how futsal was born. was this this renegade new sport that developed in Uruguay, but was swiftly spread to Brazil. And essentially, over the next thirty or forty years, a custody battle was fought out over over its origins and who owned the game, who actually did come up with the um, the first uh, iteration of it. And it was decreed in the late nineteen fifties, around the time that Pele and Rivellino and all the best um, Brazilian players of that wonderful generation of the 50s and 60s had started playing the game on the streets and indoors it, it, it was decreed that the, the the game was certainly born in Uruguay but raised in Brazil so so that's the first aspect of the book and it goes on to to chronicle the the really really um, really controversial history of the sport as it moved into Europe in the 60s and 70s and elsewhere in the world and then eventually FIFA. Uh, got involved in the sport because it was, it was run by a, a, a Brazil-based um, forerunner to FIFA, which just organised Futsal. And FIFA, obviously, um, the organization, the organisational body behind 11 side Football, they decided that they wanted a piece of the action and they, in effect, took over Futsal in the late 80s. And the game you see today, which is played by 60 million people around the globe, uh, a phenomenal number, hugely popular in Asia, massive in Brazil. Spain, Portugal in Europe are the big hitters. Russia in Eastern Europe, uh, Ukraine. Um, it, it's huge in so many, so many parts of the world. But it's it's a game today that is run and governed by the the body that governs football. So there's a tension there as well. So that's the first part of the book, and that runs alongside, um, the the uh, the other aspect of it. And this is the the synergies and the the. Um, The fusion between futsal and 11-a-side football. There is a sort of sibling rivalry that that exists, especially in the countries, particularly in South America, where they slightly resent the fact that FIFA took over the game and they still play this slightly renegade version that has slightly different rules, that is steeped in the origins of um, Esport to Bola Posada, which is the sport of the heavy ball, which is what it was known as in South America before FIFA got involved. So it's the links between the two and also the, the big factor that most listeners probably will know futsal from is this sense of it being a, uh, a laboratory, laboratory of improvisation for the skill sets of the best 11-a-side players. Um, the, 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 the reasoning being that um, it was an academic, at, uh, a professor of uh, soccer at Sao Paulo University, Emilio Miranda, who who used that term um, laboratory of improvisation and he, he, he explained a little bit further by saying no time and no space equals better skills, and that's because the game is played on anything between a basketball size court, twenty eight meters by fifteen, and a handball court, forty by twenty, and it's the equivalent population density of playing uh 37 aside on 11 on 11, 11 aside soccer. So so it, Yeah that it's was
2: a real... a f- I was going to say that 30 that 37 aside um was like a fascinating statistic. I was just it blew my mind when I read that. I was like oh my goodness. That explains why I'm always feeling a lot of pressure when I play futsal.
0: Indeed, indeed. Well, the pressure is always there, and that's a massive aspect of the game. It's a hugely psychological game. You need physical fitness, but it's it's all about managing pressure, both with time and space. So that's the second aspect of the book. And obviously, I, I I've interviewed various people from the football world, various people who are advocates of football. Um, probably the most famous being um, Roberto Martin, as the uh, former Everton manager. I'm a supporter of Everton Football Club, and and he's now the Belgian national football team manager but he also was was immersed in futsal growing up in uh, in catalonia and uh, and he tells me all about the influences from on him and his peers such as pep guardiola the the former barcelona and now manchester city manager and he and a, a, Seems to remember Roberto says that it, 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 he describes the game as noble and just simply part of their upbringing, and that's how they played. That was the game they first played in Spain. That's the game of the schools. So I even interviewed various people in football and go on a, a voyage of discovery around uh, Europe, interviewing futsal luminaries such as the most famous futsal player in the world at the moment, uh, Ricardinho, six times best player in the world. I interviewed him out in Portugal. And spent an evening at Benfica watching their youngsters play and their women's team play, uh, and then and then the, the, the final aspect of the book really is 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 I think you alluded to it. It's the fact that uh, the, the the history and the links between futsal and football are told alongside my own memoir about. About growing up in Liverpool, and and as I, as I touched on a bit earlier, Liverpool um, is a city that was consumed by two things that often make for good sports people, good footballers certainly, and and it was racked by socio-economic deprivation in the seventies and eighties when I, when I was growing up, and and it also had a massive passion for sport, and and so I, I tell my story in the seventies and eighties alongside foot cells tells um, rocky passage to its status as FIFA's um, sanctioned game of Five side. So, and that continues up to my playing and coaching as an adult and coaching my own kids, and 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 that's woven in throughout the throughout the book, really.
2: Yeah, I, I'm. I was. I, I'm. I'm glad you talked at some length about it because I I was very curious as to kind of how you would cite your work in terms of genre. I'm reading it, and at times I'm like, this is history. And No, oh, no, this is a memoir. Oh no, this is a this is also a coaching guide. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a, a call to action. Um, you know, it really reads as kind of a um, a pay on to an earlier age when people, but especially children, just played um, played together and they learned the game in a kind of organic and natural way. And it really reads against, I think um what a lot of the at least the scientific literature quote unquote on football seems to tell us which is oh no 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 if you want player development what you need to do is get them in these academies early on where they're going to be running drills all the time and oh the problem with um you know australian or u.s or name your country soccer is that they play too many games you know, they're they're they need to be drilling more and your book says the exact opposite <laughs> that actually if we stop trying to have them you know just play the 11 aside game and we just built more spaces in our cities for kids to play organically just get out of their houses um we'd all be better off and I'm looking around my neighborhood and I'm like finding the little you know unused places and I'm like well Let's just clean this up a little bit here, put in a little
0: futsal court. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I mean, it, it, the call to action or call to arms, as you, as you described it, is very appropriate because uh, I think, I think uh, I, it is described on the sleeve as, 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 as an attempt to say how futsal can be transformative at the grassroots level. And that's both in terms of participation. Um, because of the points I made about about the lack of the lack of street play these days, the lack of play. I mean, if we look on the, purely about how important play is, uh, it, it's huge. And if you look at the defin- definition of play, that, that I think I mentioned this in the book at some stage. But the Oxford Dictionary, for example, it says the definition it defines players to do things for pleasure uh, as children do to enjoy yourself rather than work. And then the second uh, part of the definition is to be involved in a game to compete against somebody in a game. And this is what futsal and street football had over any of this this, um, this really um, almost um, sanitised version of football that kids tend to play when they're in academies all too often. And, and, and of course, academies are getting better. I must I must caveat all of this by saying that, that and I'll tell you a, a story in a moment about the head, former head of academy at Everton. He told me a story about why he got involved in futsal. But they are trying really hard to try and pull the kids back to some element of free play, more ownership, more, more, uh, le- less, less pressure created by the adult environment that they're inevitably in. But ultimately, it the, the, the fact that they have to create it or try to create it is an indictment of what has been allowed to happen. Um, but yes, so Alan Irvine, who was the uh, he was the head of Everton's academy. Um, at the time when Roberto Martinez took over as manager in 2014 and he, he, um, I interviewed him for the book uh, along with Roberto and, and, and he, he told me how that he had heard of futsal and he basically said to Roberto, come on, Roberto, tell me what this is about. Is it worth investing in? And Roberto obviously, um, Answered in the affirmative and and packed Alan off to Barcelona um, to watch the futsal section of Barcelona. Now, just in case any listeners don't really quite appreciate how it works in Barcelona, the football and futsal sections are totally separate. There is no changeover. For, uh, Barcelona has five professional sections, and football and futsal is just uh, are just two of them. So so they're totally separate. However. In effect, in Spain and Catalonia, the futsal is the game that all of these players play in their primary school years. That's the game of the school. So, all the players who will be in the futsal section will have played futsal until age 11, 12, i.e., getting this wonderful, I describe it as a, a uniquely potent cocktail of constraints that futsal offers. They're getting the repetition of the individual and small group fundamental building blocks of the game they're getting that repetition every time they step on a court, so they're all getting that and Alan went off to watch them and he he said he was blown away at watching the adult team, Barcelona are the current European Champions League holders in, in adult men's team and he watched that and he said he was blown away at just how much of a rapid counter-attacking game it was, a bit like basketball for the feet. But at the youth level, he said it was technique and competition. It was it was unrivaled, is in, in his opinion. And he decided that it was the answer and the way that he wanted to create what he calls the the, the lost street footballer that, that we don't get in Britain anymore. Um, he's from Glasgow, Alan Irvine, and he he said to me that he was a Glasgow lad and he said it, dem- it dismays him how how few players are coming out from cities like Glasgow that can play the way that he, that he wanted them to play. And he was citing Nicol Arteta, who's the current Arsenal manager. He was at Everton at the time. He was saying to all the kids that like, this is the sort of skill set we want you to have: the ability to stay in possession despite the pressure, to wriggle, to manipulate the ball, to be clever, and to and to be robust despite not being the tallest player or the strongest player. And um, so, so that's what's happening in in Britain at the moment, and various Premier League clubs have have decided that futsal is is the thing to do in their in their in their football academies, but. Um, but it's probably it's got a lot further to go because it's um it, it it's uh it's certainly it's certainly growing, but yeah that's a huge huge factor.
2: Uh, Nineteen minutes in, it strikes me that you know, you and I are talking about futsal, Jamie, because we kind of know about it, but maybe not all listeners do know about it. And and you've talked a little bit about futsal's origins in Uruguay and its um, popularity in Brazil, so it's a little bit of the historical background there. But I'm wondering if you can just because in your book, you kind of play with some of the ideas is futsal and street soccer are not exactly the same thing, but it's not the same as indoor soccer. And growing up in the U.S., reading a little bit about, you know, the difference between futsal and the more American style. That's how I played with boards and um, a size five ball and you know bloody noses and fist fights half the time it's a very different game, so it's wonder... and a place
0: for bloody noses and fist fights, I have to say, but yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that's definitely true, <laughs> but it it's definitely a different a different game, so I wonder if you can talk to us a little bit about you know how how futsal, it, I mean, you, you, you make an argument, a clear argument that futsal is not just a kind of laboratory for 11 a side. It's not just a kind of fun diversion, um, but that it's its own different sport. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what futsal is, how it differs from, you know, 11 a side soccer, physicality tactics. Um, cause it, you, you do have several chapters in your book that are focused on these issues explicitly. So, um, Tell us a little bit about futsal itself and sure. the pleasure so, so, of it as its own thing.
0: <laughs> no, sure. Well, indeed. I mean, you know, the the, um, the the pleasure of it, which I'll describe in a moment, it, it, it is, um, is effective in both um, making the sport into a potent um, skill development tool for football. That's true. But it also makes it such a... Captivating, fascinating sport to watch and to play as well. Breathlessly interesting and, and full of, well, you, well, you, it's the constant immersion in the game that 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 allows you to, that allows you to. Um, to, to be consumed when you're playing. And that's not unique to futsal because uh, just before I go into futsal, I mean, let's talk about indoor soccer in the US for a moment because that is also a wonderful sport, the breathlessness of it and and the um, the intensity and the speed and the engagements and the fact that it's mainly six aside, slightly bigger courts, I know, and pitches, but, but it still has lots to offer and it still has... it's it's still a viable development tool for football where futsal is unique is the fact that it has these potent cocktail of constraints number one being the fact that it, if, if the court is 40 by 20 metres, 20 which is the FIFA standard really, it, remember it has lines instead of sideboards. So that's the biggest uh, point that distinguishes it from, from indoor soccer. So this means that there's an extra skill level needed to keep the ball on this island pitch, if you like. You have to have the ability to pass to feet to control instantly and to to not let the ball get away from you and to constantly manipulate it in tight spaces so that's 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 constraint number one the second it's part constraint and part advantage is the ball now the ball is the biggest difference between football and futsal and i guess through indoor soccer as well it's a difference because the ball is famously uh doesn't bounce much it bounces about uh 50 percent Of the, of a standard size five football. It's smaller. It's size four. Size three or two for children, and back in the old days before FIFA got involved, adults would play with. It was more of a hybrid size two and or three, so it looked tiny when they were playing. But it doesn't bounce much. It's the same weight as a size five, so it goes with some velocity once you smash it because it's got an extra. It's got, it's got extra power, um, and it almost wants to be caressed. It stays on the floor quite quite often. You can get it in the air, but generally, it's a little with a little flick of the toe and um, the most the, the signature the trademark uh, technique in futsal is controlling the ball with the sole of the foot and the ball is fizzed around the court like an ice hockey puck as i say because it because it's an island pitch and it will just go off the court if you if you put it in in, in front of everyone and any of your teammates, it has to go to feet. So so that's one of the technical uh, key technical uh, trademarks. But the other constraints are the fact that there's no offside, um, like in Ameri- like in eleven um, uh, aside football. There there is um, there is a, a four second rule which which um, compels quick thinking and speedy action, and that is a four second restriction on the goalkeeper in possession. And the goalkeeper I might get on to, the goalkeeper's probably the most important player in futsal because... I, I loved yeah. that chapter you had on the Aguido way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Higuita um, is a Brazilian, now Kazakhstani um, icon of futsal who has revolutionized the, the role in futsal and his the influence is, is definitely had a big impact on the 11 aside game so i interviewed Higuita and uh, and he told me all about how he's um, how he's he calls himself 50% nutty because the cliché is that goalkeepers are often a, a little bit um, a little bit zany but he admits it and he um, he comes out and scores goals and he's wonderful with his with, with his feet so he has the foot, the the goalkeeper in futsal has to be able to play with their feet Um, which is increasingly common on the other side. So so that's a restriction on the keeper, and it's also a restriction on set pieces, either free kicks or or kick-ins. There are no throw-ins in futsal, so it's a kick-in. The ball's placed on the ground, stationary, and as soon as it's stationary, the referee will count four seconds, and the ball has to be released by that time. And uh, and then the final final, um, restriction that gives futsal its unique selling point as a game to play, but also a game to watch, and this, this, to me, kills off one of the biggest uh, annoyances in 11-a-side football for me, which is time-wasting and and professional fouls, as they're known. And this rule in futsal is that each team is allowed to commit only five fouls in each half. And on that, for every file after that fifth, so every subsequent file, no matter who's committed it in, on the team, a penalty is given away. It's a long penalty from ten meters, so it's a free shot from ten meters. Uh, a normal penalty is six meters out, but um, but that then instantly. Uh, neuters any desire that a team might have to kick the other team off the park, as happens in uh, in, in football, perhaps, or to constantly keep taking one from the team and spreading the files around with professional files here here and there. Um, and uh, and the final one, sorry, is a stop the stopping clock. So it's a, like basketball, the clock stops, and again that 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 means that it eliminates time wasting out of stroke um so so all of these all of these things um make it a, a breathless game to play and and obviously because of the intensity of it a 40 minute match um which is what professional games last two 220 minute halves the, with the clock stopping the game goes on for about an hour and a half and um and there are constant substitutions you don't have to wait to the game to to stop in in some games you a coach will make 80 to 100 substitutions. So, a player might be on for 30 seconds, off for two or three minutes, then on for five minutes, off off again. You might be on and off four, five, six times each player uh, in, in in the game. Um, you, you you get the occasional freak. Um, like um, there's a guy, a Brazil-born, another Kazakhstan player called Douglas Junior, who played. I think it was two matches in the last World Cup. He played for the whole 40 minutes. Now that is that is outrageous fitness levels it really is it really is it's incredible you know most of the players will play no more than 20 minutes um, so so that that's the way it works and the intensity and the um, and the the physical intensity and the mental intensity are are incredible and lots of the lots of the um, the the futsal people i interviewed around the world that's probably one of the biggest things that came across to me. It was eye opener just how much they talk about it as, uh, as 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 a thinking person's game, and it's about how quickly you can transfer the, the 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 thoughts from your from your brain to your to the actions in your feet. And that's what Rick Ardino, who interviewed, that's what he said. He's the the, the best at in the world. It's just the speed of thought and I think One of um, the it's quite clear.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say one of the, the things as somebody who. Plays eleven aside, and occasionally also plays futsal. Um, the book really illuminated why I've always felt so uncomfortable on a futsal court. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> whether whether it's the the shrunken size, the thirty seven uh, aside uh, ra- ratio, whether it was uh, I, you interviewed one one. Uh, coach I think it was when you're in Benfica who was saying oh well in, in 11 aside if a player takes a rest for two minutes you know that's normal that's fine <laughs> that's not a problem if a player in a futsal match rests for two seconds that's a problem you know the yeah, intensity right. of it, it that was actually also Barcelona just, at Barcelona the... and it, it's oh, true okay. See, so, in fact
0: yeah. I think his quote was you take a rest for two seconds and you die <laughs> you die that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: And, and just the tactical new like how I'm reading the book, uh, readers who, who haven't read it yet, um, listeners who haven't read it yet, uh, Jamie intersperses chapters. So it's not, um, you know, one block is all the history and then one block is all the, the you know, um, kind of tactical discussion or one. It, it's in a very natural way, kind of interwoven. Um but there is a there is a great chapter on discussing in the way that Wilson in Inverting the Pyramid kind of talks about eleven aside tactics. You talk about um, you know, futsal tactics. And I'm reading this and I'm like, this is read, I'm reading this, and I'm like, this is why I'm so bad at futsal. I just don't fundamentally get it. Like I'm I have totally missed the boat. <laughs> I should stick to eleven aside or get better at futsal. <laughs>
0: Well, you make a really good point, and that, and that's another underappreciated aspect of futsal. It's, it, it, it is seen. I mean, I'm glad that it's noticed um, by by football fans, football players, football coaches. But often it's seen as a game of dribbles and flicks and tricks. But uh, but 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 having played it, and, and obviously I coach it, um, I, I can I can I can say that. Once you're coaching kids sort of 13, 14 upwards, then it becomes an incredibly complex and, and nuanced tactical game. And obviously you have, you have. Uh, I'll just give you one example, the, the, the most popular and common formation in futsal these days is the equivalent of the false nine in football. And it's a 4-0. So obviously you've got the keeper, a one four zero. So you've got the keeper and you've got four players. Now, traditionally it would be a 3-1 one with one player at the back, two wingers. And one up front who's called a pivot or a pivot in futsal. But what happened was that there was a the revolution in futsal in the in the 80s by a Brazilian guru called Zago. He he stumbled across this idea of playing 4-0. He was up against a strong team. And he thought, okay, how can we A, frustrate them but also drag them out of their comfort zone and drag them? On, into our half and create an exploit space in behind them, and there's various, very coordinated and often re- instinctive to um, rotations of players uh, all in your own half with the ball, waiting and hoping that you'll drag players out of position and and quickly explode into the space in behind, and and that 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 is all orchestrated, it's coordinated. You'll have set piece routines. There's galore. Roberto Martinez told me how. When he was back in Spain, he used to study the set-piece routine, routines of the Barcelona futsal, Club, futsal team, coached by Marc Carmona, of um, the quote you just mentioned. He used to study them for tips on how to exploit 11 side corners. So, yeah, it's it, it massively um, complex at an adult level and, and tactically nuanced. But, um, but, the, but, but, but the other thing that it does as well, it, it, because you're introducing tactical elements to kids, it also fast-tracks their game understanding. And again, we go back to this, this um, what, what we've lost through the death of street football. Now, I think we used to understand the game implicitly um a lot more when we played it more often and we led the way and we and we had actual we used to have tactics when I was a kid at, at, at school we would talk about what we did and uh, even on a playground in and in a, in an underground subway near my house on a little scratch a little scrap of um of um of a field or a car park we'd talk about tactics and I think in futsal when I've coached my kids I've always tried to give them the ownership of the tactics, but say, I want you to have a formation. I want you to think about what you're doing. And I think futsal offers a great place for coaches to learn and also to to, to give kids whatever game they're going to play, give kids a game understanding and a game now that, that will serve them well in any invasion sport that they play.
2: I, um, I I also want to tell listeners that, um, you know, there's a kind of, beginning and end to the book that are a bit different because i mean as a, a you you mentioned earlier that you're a student of history but um you you have the history at the beginning but the latter half of the book focuses kind of on global futsal and its emergence its popularity its uh, different iterations or around the world i i um i would love I'm an historian, so I would love to talk about the history, but I think probably actually what people listening would want to hear is more the global. But I did want to point out one thing that I thought was really interesting. And I wondered if you had uh, thoughts about this, Jamie, which is that in some ways, futsal upends our traditional narrative of how how sports have spread. Because most of the time, what we think about when we think about sports spreading is kind of. Um, you know, almost a, almost a story of colonization. Right. And this, you know, the, the metropole spreading different games around and the popularity of 11 aside being shaped by the British empire. But futsal has emerged from, you know, the global South and, and has popularized kind of from colonial periphery back towards Europe. And then it gets grabbed by FIFA. (laughs) And so I will, I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, you know, that moment of like capture and, and that resentment that you mentioned earlier. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, that tension between this game that in some ways is very South American, or at least, you know, kind of like Spanish and Lusophone and is now, um, becoming, well, it's very much, as you point out, uh, the, the, the game that's revolutionizing world soccer. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about that moment, you know, where, it moves back, I guess, as you could say.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, the 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 uh, it was the, the late 1980s when when FIFA uh, FIFA started to get to, started to cast uh, admiring glances towards towards Hotel. and it was all due to one man, which is Joao Havalange, who who obviously a lot of people will know as the um, the the head of FIFA, um, and obviously the less said about about what he got up to, the better, but. He, Especially to, on the radio, the you know, in podcast. Indeed, prior to his his role as head of FIFA, he actually was the head of the organization that founded, the founding organization of Futsal, of FIFUSA, in 1971. So basically, he had he had developed, helped develop Futsal and knew all about it. And almost as soon as he took over at uh, FIFA, he was immediately coveting the game and trying to get it on board. So I think that what you had in that time was you, you had uh, a mix because futsal had grown like a feral weed around South America and was in Europe and in parts of Asia and, um, and has grown in parts of Africa too. But there was a sense of how much it could actually grow any further and FIFA was seen as in, by many people involved in various sports in in various um, football associations and futsal associations, it was seen as the answer to to, to actually take this sport to the next stage. Um, but um, but what, once that did happen, it was it was incredibly controversial. And 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 you had you had a renegade organisation, FIFUSA, changed to changed to the AMF, which had, is still going to this day. But that that has hotbeds in in parts of Catalonia, actually, but also mainly in Colombia, and and they they they've continued to fight for that game and as the original and the, the, the genuine version. But to, to, to talk about how it develops and it's gone in a different way to most sports, you're absolutely right. I think I spoke to a guy called Steve Harris, who was is an American who grew up, uh, he moved to Japan in the early 80s, and he was involved in the game from the start there. And he's watched it grow in Asia hugely, in the 80s, 90s, and right up to today. Where it's massive. And in Iran, for example, I think the most, the Iran's the, the country with the biggest population of futsal players. I think it's about 60 million, uh, 16 million players in Iran, which is bigger than both Brazil and Spain combined. But he describes, he describes uh, futsal as a kind of hack in, in, uh, in Asia, in that it's allowed Asian nations, Iran being probably the biggest example, to almost sidestep. The building blocks that you need to put in place to to grow in eleven a football, and it gives you the instant grassroots game that you can instantly make uh, in, in make a national sport. And lots of other countries have done that in, in, in Asia. So that just gives you an, an example of of how it's how it's developed in a way that the football certainly hasn't. Um, and particularly, um, one of the bits I'm most proud about about in the book is the f- the, the the interview with uh, the former. Iranian women's futsal coaching. <laughs> Hearing her story about how she and other women involved in futsal in Iran managed to uh, manage to break down the barriers to women playing there, and that's a fascinating story that, that in its own right, that merits um, that merits retelling. And that's, that's that. that and obviously, I don't think we've got time to go into great detail on it here, but um, but it's a, certainly a, I would I would push people towards that aspect of um, the Iran chapter because it's um, it's compelling
2: yeah your whole chapter where you're kind of looking i i mean to use a better term probably but at the football in the global south um iran and south africa i think was really interesting although i want to turn you to it to, towards a country that's maybe um you're 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 more at home with which is which is england and a lot of a lot of the book there's a kind of almost um real frustration with how bad england is at futsal i mean they lose to in one of their earliest matches you know 27 to 1 um the the other coach invites the english coach to come to a practice because he basically is like you know you guys don't stand a chance you have to learn so come to the practice why is england the country that i mean i think we can We Could lob jokes, uh, but since I'm from America and I live in Australia, I won't do that. Uh, (laughs) But, um, why are the English, a country that's very good at football, obviously the center of the footballing world in many ways, why are they so bad comparatively?
0: You know, and what are what are
2: are, what's what's the future for English futsal? Well,
0: to, to answer the first part, what why are they so bad or or um or lacking in, what's the word, lacking in, um, in, in love, love <laughs> or success for the game. Because it, but it's, it's partly because of, the, of the, the huge cultural impact of our national sport, which is football. So it's almost like the FA in, in England doesn't see futsal as necessary, doesn't see futsal as, it sees futsal as, it's, a bit, it's been a bit confused by futsal over the past 20 years. And it it, it sees it as a foreign game. So the more conservative aspects or elements of the English FA have seen it as a foreign game, a game that why would we embrace this when we've got our own 11-a-side game, which is going perfectly well, they would say. And we've got our own, and this is the other barrier to entry for futsal as a sport that really takes off in England. We've got our own version of British fiberside that has been prominent for generations. The sort of fiberside I used to play as a kid, which is much more synonymous with indoor soccer in the US and its its um, its walls, it's a bouncing five size five football with the most Annoying and horribly irritating rules. For example, no one can go in the goalkeeping area. The goalkeeper can't come out. Oh, yeah! Terrible. (laughs) Oh, it's awful. And the ball can't go over head height, which just led to this stop-start game. Everyone giving free kicks away. The ball bouncing around like a pinball, and um, and that's the game that. The English FA sees as our culture. And um, the biggest, the worst part of it actually wasn't just the ball and the overhead height rule. It was the letterbox goals, which I don't know whether you know what I'm talking about, but they're a metre high. And I think they're four metres wide. And it's just you know they're the easiest goals to score in you know so so that's that 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 was just, that was ridiculous. You could shoot from anywhere and it going. going. Um, futsal goals, of course, are hockey-sized goals, three meters by two, much more difficult to score. But that's what what's happened here. There's been a cultural block uh, and cultural blockers to futsal taking off. The FA has flirted with it, but the FA doesn't see it as. Uh, as as a sport in its own right, it sees it solely as a development tool, and then probably asks itself, "Do we really need the development tool?" I would argue yes. Uh, most people I speak to would argue argue yes. I speak to uh, Max Kilman, who's the um, I don't know whether listeners will know about him. He is the only player to play in the English Premier League ever to be a football international. He played for England for twenty five times um, before. The England team was scrapped in, uh, when COVID uh, kicked off in 2020, and he's now the um, centre back at Wolverhampton Wanderers, having turned professional in football about three years ago. And and, and Max is convinced it's the answer. And, he, and when I interviewed him with the book, he, he he said, "You know, why is it that Brazil, Spain, all these other countries seem to use futsal, and they seem to credit futsal with with uh, honing their skill set in 11 aside? So "Why can't we take that seriously too?" Um, and of course, yeah, it's a viable. It's a. It's another viable sport. And to go back to the academy, um, the academization of of of, of childhood, it, it, which is what's happened in, in in England certainly over the past twenty years, with with kids getting um, getting uh, drafted into. Premier League academies age seven, eight, nine, and then training anything from two, three, four, five times a week up to age 16 and never seeing their friends, never doing anything else. And then obviously, you know, 98% of them get released age 16, and a, a small, tiny fraction of those who manage to stay in and are not still playing the game age 21, let alone making a viable professional career in the Premier League. I do think the futsal offers almost um, an alternative pathway it's almost a, there's a moral obligation on the fa and the premier league clubs here to offer an alternative like they do in in, um, in spain portugal the, a lot of players they drop out of football at any stage they might drop into futsal um, and i think it's um, i think it it it, it, can, it can offer that extra that extra means by by which um, players can play the big game, keep playing, or even create this, carve out a career for themselves. You do in your... yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to inter-
2: I was going to say your chapters on Portugal and Spain, you do create uh, a very compelling argument for the links between the particular... I mean, especially the particular success of Barcelona and this, uh, the tiki Taka and the links between futsal and the fact that many of the players who <laughs> um, you know were playing and developed through La Masia, were spending many of their most formative young years basically just playing futsal rather than f- more football. Um, so I, for me as a reader, I'm like, okay, well, um, if, if, if futsal is just a laboratory for the 11-a-side game, it's a really good one. <laughs> it's also its own thing. But uh, clearly, um, at some places, especially Barcelona, Uh, It's been a really successful model for development. um, Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I think you only got to look at the quotes from from the the most famous footballers who who have played futsal as a boy. I mean, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. They talk about that being the game they played as kids. They wouldn't be the same player without them. But Andres Iniesta and Xavi Hernandez, the midfield metronomes in in Pep Guardiola's um, masterful uh, Barcelona team and the Spanish team that won the World Cup. Um, they're both effusive in their praise of, of, of futsal. And uh, and I think Xavi's quote is... is um, it's I think he talks about futsal and saying that you see in futsal whether a player is really talented. You notice the small details in quality, class and tactical understanding. And and Iniesta um, talks about how it's... Uh, it's he 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 actually trained at Barcelona um, a few years ago and I spoke to Mark Carmona, the coach we you quoted earlier, and he told me how and he has to train with him. It was, it was a Nike advert and and uh, and I said, Well was he was he any good? He said, Oh yeah, he was brilliant, he was brilliant. But but the praise went both ways because afterwards it in, Iniesta was asked um, what he thought about the game and he said, I take my hat off to futsal players because it's extremely difficult. He said, it's totally different to watching on TV. And he said, the tactical awareness you need to have is on a different level. He said, I wouldn't be able to play this game. And it's it's, it's fascinating. And that, that that's a little bit, that should make you feel a little bit better, Keith, that you're not alone <laughs> in feeling like um, the, 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 uh, the nuances or the tactical uh, difficulties are beyond you. If you
2: knew, if you knew how, how close my skills were to Iniesta's. Uh... <laughs> so it's about the distance between Sydney and, uh, and Liverpool. Let me tell you, um, I, I, um, I, I want to ask you kind of, um, two kind of, I guess they're broader, bigger questions, um, to just finish up the one is uh, what's the future of, of, of futsal. Part of when I'm reading the final chapters of your book is I'm feeling this tension between, you know, what is, is futsal as a kind of international competition, and then futsal also as a, as a domestic cultural product, where sometimes we see, you know, um, and, and I think you, pull, you pull that out nicely in your chapter, actually, on um, when you're looking at Brazilian footballers in, in Italy, in this, these brazori you know, this kind of tension between, the, the internationalization of the game as a, as a way of na- international competition, then also just this thing that, Hey, it's fun to watch and we can make money and commercialize it. Um, and, and so I guess I wonder just broadly, like what's the future of futsal? Is it just going to keep growing? Is it going to, you know, is it, is it some ways limited by 11 aside? What, what is, fo- what's futsal's future?
0: Well, it's a, that's a, that's a really valid question. And, and I wish I could be ultra positive and say, yes, it's, obviously going to boom because of x y and z but uh, mainly my answer is in hope that that the the growth will continue the growth at grassroots level the participation numbers will continue because they have rocketed i mean there's 60 million uh, people estimated by fifa to be playing football around the world now that's out of a total football-playing population of 300 million. That includes beach soccer, which is obviously negligible. But 300 million are playing all the three forms of soccer, if you like, that that FIFA um, overseas, and futsal is 60 million. Now, in 2000, I think it was 2005 when the last survey was made, Futsal was only totaled thirty million and of the of the growth of fifty million from two hundred and fifty to to, to, to three hundred, Futsal was sixty percent of that. It was thirty of the fifty. So it's obviously the growing game. Now the, the, the big question that only FIFA can answer really, and this is the massive the massive the the million dollar question, if you like, is is whether FIFA sees this as it wants to limit the growth or it wants to 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 raise it and say and let it flower and see where it goes and how far it can go Um, and and i'm just not sure what fifa wants uh, but the, the there are two or three things that it could do which would make me hope that it was actually wanted to just experiment and see how far it could go the first thing it could do was would be to set up a, a, a women's world cup, and there was a big campaign at the last men's futsal world cup in 2021, which I went to in Lithuania um, for, for a women's world cup. They've had FIFA sanctioned tournaments, but, but, but the women's go- game is growing hugely. And incidentally, today, I, uh, a, 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 a contact in the US told me that um, the US soccer have actually advertised for a uh, head coach for an all new it's not been announced yet but it, i think it's 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 breaking news an all new women's futsal national team so that would be a massive step forward and uh, and and in england the, the fa promised to create one in 2019 but once it scrapped this futsal budget in 2020 that's gone by the wayside so that's great news so i think that would be a step to take and and i think i think the the, the other issue that fifa could do is actually market the sport a little bit more as a standalone independent sport. And I think, obviously, a lot of people will look at FIFA and think, well, actually, why does the governing body of one sport want to actually create another sport that could potentially rival it? So that is a friction that is always going to be there. But I think given the popularity, given the how great the game is, and given that UEFA, by the way, which is the European um, governing body of European football and futsal... That's actually putting FIFA to shame in many ways because I find that when I go to tournaments, uh, UEFA seem to be really doing whatever they can to to let the game grow and see how far it can it can travel. And they've been, done done much better with the women's game too. They've had uh, two women's UEFA uh, European Championships. They've got uh, they've got a, a, a Champions League now for um, for um, um, for men's and hopefully they'll have one for women soon and also they've they've got an under 19s international international under 19s national team competition for, for men so so there are things that are happening but I, you know it, it's difficult to say but i think it will continue growing and and i think the, the, the i don't think there's much more i think there's more growth in the sport as a standalone sport there's more growth to come than there perhaps is as a development deal for football because that's the bit that most people are aware of does that make sense
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I I should point out for listeners, by the way, that this is me and not Jamie, but Jamie, uh, Jamie's book, actually, your book covers a lot of the development in in different places of women's um, football as well. And I just, uh, we didn't talk about it as much in the interview because of the questions I asked, but um, that's in the book. So if anyone's listening and going, oh, this is just blokes, uh, it's dudes. Um, actually, that's not true. In the book, especially as you mentioned earlier, your section on uh, Shahrazad Mozafar, this uh, Iranian woman, uh, is really is really a strong part of the book. Um, just finally, Jamie. I mean, I know this is a very small, maybe a small question. Question: You're a journalist, so I, I usually ask at the end, "What can we look forward to, to reading from you next?" But we can read stuff from you all the time, and people should jump on the Guardian and read and read you all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, but. Well, I mean- my, Anything my else
2: job. that we can my,
0: look forward to? <laughs> yeah, well, My day job is actually rewriting other 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 writers' copy and, and writing headlines, and um, so I write occasionally on the garden whenever I feel the urge. Uh, but but I've got one or two things uh, that I've been approached by one or two publishers about about different different. I can't say too much yet, but one of them is writing a little bit more about football futsal and another one is writing a little bit more about well a lot more about my home city liverpool because uh, i think i think the, the aspects of the book that 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 uh, as i mentioned earlier that blend my memoir with uh, the growth of futsal and the issues and the social cultural issues of of the the, the various games futsal and football i think they went down quite well and 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 so that yeah i might end up writing a lot more about that and um and, and that would be interesting too
2: well i think i'm my 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 carriage is turning into a pumpkin i can hear in the background my my seven week old my four-year-old starting to get rambunctious so I, I better say goodbye to you jamie we've you've been listening to new books in sports a channel on the new books network we've been speaking with jamie Fahey, who is a Guardian journalist and a production editor uh, with more than 20 years of experience writing on several national newspapers and six years in regional journalism. And and, uh, he's the author of a book you guys should all um, run out or get online to buy, Futsal, the indoor game that is revolutionizing world soccer. Thank you so much for joining us, Jamie.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: And I am Keith Rathbone, I, as I say, usually coming to you live from Macquarie University in sunny Sydney. Thank you all for listening.